communities have become incredibly important from an overall brand and engagement perspective, uh, you know, over the last, let's say, five years. And investing in that type of platform has, has really profound benefits for the people that are part of it. One, they engage with other leaders and can create new thinking or drive new thinking. They can share their own best practices. It gives them a platform to, to be able to talk about all the good things that they're doing. You're looking to grow your B2B business? Welcome to the Grow B2B Faster podcast. Here, we dig deep to learn proven growth strategies, hacks, and tools from top CEOs and leaders in sales and marketing to help you grow faster. This episode is powered by Subu, the company that can help you drive thought leadership, hiring, and sales for your B2B business via LinkedIn. Check them out on sawoo.io, S-A-W-O-O.io. Today, I'm very happy to have Bill Stakos, Senior Vice President, Evangelist and Head of Community Engagement at Medallia on our show. Bill, welcome to our show. Sammy, it's really great to be here. Um, I, I love your podcast. Um, you've had some friends of mine on the podcast as well. So thanks so much for the invite. I'm excited to, uh, to talk with you today. Yeah, Medallia is a hotpot of, of smart people, I can tell you. <laughs> definitely a lot of great, great uh, leading figures out there. Yeah. Um, so tell me about your company, Medallia. What, what are you doing? So Medallia is a software company focused on customer and employee experience, Sammy. So essentially, we give our clients, businesses out there, large enterprises, small, mid-market sized companies, the tools to be able to capture customer and employee signals uh, and capture feedback. That could be in a survey. That could be... Um, a voice to text to analyze um, for sentiment, uh, text analytics that could be for social media monitoring, really any signal that is being um, uh, uh, driven by customers or employees. You can analyze all that feedback, all those signals inside the platform. Uh, there's a very robust a uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning capability. And then we can distribute that down to the operator level so they can close the loop with that customer or even with the employee, um, uh, if, if, if uh, you're more focused on employee experience, as well as aggregate all this, all this information and insight into themes for more outer loop or strategic conversations in the business to help drive transformational change. We're a 20 year old company. Our first client actually was Hilton, uh, which is a global brand, um, as you may know. And um, it's, a, it's an exciting place. Nice, and how long have you been with Medallia? I just closed out my first year with Medallia um, just yesterday. Um, and and uh, I spent before Medallia, I was a client of Medallia's for five years. I spent 25 years in banking uh, and financial services, not only in the US, but also uh, globally in other markets. And I've spent over 20 years in customer and employee experience. Mm -hmm. Very good. And can you give us um, a rough proxy of the size and growth of Medallia? So we're about 2,000 employees. Um, we have offices all over the world, certainly in the United States, uh, Mexico City. Um, we have offices in the UK, as well as uh, in EMEA and, and across Asia Pacific. Primary locations in APEC, <clears throat> excuse me, are mm -hmm. Sydney and Singapore. Mm -hmm. And uh, now... <coughs> We, we have something very special because I never had an evangelist on our show. <laughs> so um, what do you do as an evangelist and, and leader of the community engagement? 
Sure. It's a good question. Uh, I'm still trying to figure it out myself because it's a new role. But, um, you know, the, I, you know, on the, on the evangelism side, it's really being um, out there in front for the brand and talking about um, customer and employee experience and how Medallia fits into that space and is a leader in that space. So publishing blogs, um, doing podcasts, um, you know, doing a lot of just thought leadership and presentations um, around uh, in different markets. Um, I get to travel a lot with with my work in, in that role and really helping our clients as well as, you know, non-clients, frankly, think about not only where they are in their maturity, but also the art of the possible, art of the possible, excuse me, in each stage of maturity mm-hmm. uh, from a customer and employee experience perspective. So, you know, really driving thought leadership in this space and being out in, the, out in front for Medallia. Um, on the community engagement side, which is also equally as exciting, um, we have a very large community of users that come together on a monthly basis. It's user-driven. They are our clients and the users within our clients drive the agenda um, and really uh, are the ones that are bringing up the topics, leading the discussions for users. In addition to that, we also have Medallia-led communities, uh, not just client-led communities, but on the Medallia side, it's bringing together small cohorts of clients and prospects, 10 to 12 people, and talking about important topics in both customer and employee experience on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Those are all very interesting topics, and let's let's do them step by step. Um, Sure. So your your client-led communities how how do they function in practice how like if someone never heard about this before um and and you would have to explain it to them um also maybe from a client perspective um how would you describe it um so i would i would describe it as a learning <clears throat> a learning platform um and not just about medallia i think that there are a lot of topics that come up that are outside of technology, right? Technology, as you know, being in the SaaS space yourself, and you're very familiar with it, uh, is an enabler uh, of the work that individuals do, whether they're on the sales side or the experiential side or marketing, et cetera. And so uh, the Medallia user groups um, are, are is a learning platform. Um, and not only can you learn about Medallia and the technology and how to best leverage it, but also, you know, how to... Um, you know, how to how to think about customer experience strategy, how to communicate um, the value of customer and employee experience in the organization, influence individuals in the organization. So even some of the more softer side of the work that is very important um, to be successful um, within the discipline, those are also topics that are being discussed. So you know, I, I look at it as a learning platform. Mm-hmm. From the Medallia-led side, um, similarly, um, but a, a little bit different there in, in the sense where um, it's almost like a peer-to-peer coaching um, going on too. So we okay. pick topics that are sometimes about the technology. Um, other times we're picking topics on how to influence the CEO, um, as an example, right? Um, and, you know, individuals are interacting, learning from each other and helping each other be successful and grow. And that's a really important part of, um, I think, the value that uh, Medallia uh, brings to the table uh, 
uh, and, and one that I'm personally really excited about. Um, I'm just very, very focused on learning and growth. And, you know, it's, it's frankly, it's an honor for me to be able to bring that uh, to individuals that work with us or perhaps want to work with us. So who has access to those communities? Is it only customers or can it also be people who are non-customers yet in both, like be it in the community-led communities or in the Medallia-led communities? So in the Medallia user group, so the, the user-led communities, that's clients only. Okay. Uh, but on the Medallia-led communities, we do bring uh, individuals who are interested um, in the space, in Medallia, um, so non-clients. Um, and, you know, we do open it up, uh, to others that are, uh, leaders, uh, you know, within the discipline. And I think that's also important. It's, you know, we want to be inclusive on some level, um, and, you know, really bring everything that the firm has to bear for anyone in customer and employee experience, frankly. Yeah. And it, it, it sounds interesting because, um, you pick topics that maybe have nothing to do with your own product. It seems like, like yeah. influencing the C-level executive yeah. um, or, or probably also other topics that have nothing directly to do with, with how your product can help. Um, but that seems like it helps like the person that you serve in general. Um, right. if, you, if you could tell us a little bit more on uh, like, first of all, so that I understand better, is it like an online platform um, where you log in or how do people interact? So how is this community getting together? Yeah, I mean, uh, typical. Typically, we we get together over Zoom. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, we are starting to think about now that sort of the pandemic is over. We are starting to think about how do we bring more local chapters together in person. Um, that's something that that you know is very exciting for us. And um, again, you know, but right now, um, given the number of uh, users in, in the user led community. Uh, it can be very difficult um, to bring people together in person. And mm -hmm. um, so right now we're largely doing that over Zoom. And it, and it's, always, it's always been that way. And, you know, frankly, I think um, it works really, really well. You know, it gives people the flexibility to, to join, at, you know, and, and we always want to meet our customers as well as leaders in the discipline where they are, not necessarily where we want to force them to be. So yeah. I think it's also something to be said there. So if I'm a user and I want to log in, um, how do I find out that I can log in? Like, is it an email? Is it like, how do I find out that I, it, it, there, I, there. I want to get down to the really, really technical level? How do you execute something like yeah. this? I, I want to be a little bit careful because we don't want to give away the special sauce either. But um, it's you know, just a special sauce already. <laughs> uh, well, that maybe, was fast. <laughs> maybe not down to the ingredient level. Um, but, okay. Uh, You know, there, there is um, there is a login, obviously, but also, you know, um, individual leaders who are customers will email out the, 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 the broader group, say, here's sort of the topic that we're going to address this this coming month um, and, and engage with the Zoom link and engage that way. So, okay, very good. Um, and how is the Zoom, Zoom call structured then? How long is it? And, and like, what is an agenda usually that works well for you? Yeah, it's about an hour long conversation. Um, the agenda again is is really driven by the community themselves, and um, they you know it's 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 an open dialogue. Typically, we'll have you know individuals who are clients present on a couple of topics or saying, "Hey, we want to talk about." Uh, I'll make I'll make a topic. You know, um, 
you know, how to, you know, how are people leveraging text or sentiment analysis as an example, right? Or best practices there. So they might reach out to the community, you know, who's using text and sentiment analysis in the platform today? You know, do you want to present on how you're doing that and some best practices? Um, there will be a leader um, that facilitates that conversation, who's organizing the call, brings everybody together, uh, and then we'll have a few people present. And then we'll have an open Q&A dialogue as an example. So okay. really good way to showcase you know, the good things and wonderful things that people are doing and best practices uh, within their own companies, but also a way for individuals to open up, ask questions, um, whether they're using it or not, that technology, uh, mm -hmm. you know, for them to learn and, you know, expand their thinking and knowledge. Mm -hmm. Is it then something more like a Zoom webinar where people can write questions or is it like a real Zoom call where people can talk to one another? People can talk to one another. Cool. And how many are you, like, how, how many people usually join? Um, well, I'll, I'll, I won't go into, into the number that join because it can really vary topic to topic. Um, sure. but, no, but is it hundreds, have, thousands, ten? Well, we have we have well over a thousand people in the community. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. very good. Um, so, why, why does Medallia invest into the community, and and how do you measure success? So, Sammy, that's a great question. I, you know, I think that it can't be all about the technology all the time. And if you're not creating a space for the individuals that are using your technology every day or need to want to learn more about it, um, I think that you really are doing almost a disservice to your clients, frankly. Um, and, you know, creating this platform for learning, for growth, for opportunity, um, I think is really important for any SaaS-based business and frank frankly, any non-SaaS-based business. I think communities have become incredibly important from an overall brand and engagement perspective uh, you know, over the last, let's say, five years. And investing in that type of platform um, has, has really profound benefits for the people that are part of it. One, they engage with other leaders and can create new thinking or drive new thinking. They can share their own best practices. It gives them a platform to, to be able to talk about all the good things that they're doing. Um, number two, I think it creates a deeper bond and relationship with a company like Mondalia, uh, which is important for us. Um, and, and number three, I think that um, it differentiates us in the marketplace um, by you know, talking about topics that are top of mind, you know, big, big opportunities and challenges for our community and the, and, 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 and individuals in the discipline, customer and employee experience. So I think that there's a lot of benefit to that. How we measure success is, you know, we, we eat sort of our own, um, our, our own cooking. We send out a survey a uh, regular basis to um, the user group to understand their experience. We ask, you know, an MPS question. We ask questions, you know, um, you know, has the Medallia user group even, you know, helped you find a new role or opportunity in the last, you know, X number, you know, in the last year or so. And, you know, one in 10 people who are part of the Medallia user group have found a new role because of that community. Um, and that's, That's a wonderful thing to be able to not only bring new learning to people, but also help them advance in their careers. Um, yeah. And, you know, that is 
that's really exciting to be able to look back on that data and the feedback that we get uh, from from users, and you know know that we are creating value for them not only within the platform but also around the platform as well. Yeah, so I absolutely um, am in line with with the thinking that you and your leaders have that, um, and it was also triggered by an interview I had over a year ago with uh, Rob Gonzalez from Sesify, who also said at that point of time, the next big thing in marketing is community. Yeah. Because um, you're not dependent on these big platforms like LinkedIn or Google or Facebook or whatever. Uh, you need to get in touch with them. And um, you always have re-access to your target clients or your existing clients, which is super valuable. Um And yeah, I, I have to play the devil's advocate and, and ask one, two questions that some people think um, very likely um, and, and because of, of those things don't invest into communities. But one thing could be is like I invest a lot of money into communities. Um, I want to have sales. So how do I know if I get anything like tangible out of it? It's nice to have a net promoter score and people are happy and fussy and help them find jobs. But yeah, what's in it for me? Yeah, no, we do. We do look at um, metrics like expansion um, as well. Um, but I think at the core, if you, I can appreciate the, the, the your guest's comment in terms of the next sort of evolution of of great marketing is is communities. But if you're going at it from an angle of more sales, I think that comes off as inauthentic. And I think that turns off people in the community. So our, our position has always been learning growth opportunity and conversation and connecting. And, you know, that is very important to us. And we don't look at it as um, a, a sales channel. In fact, no salespeople are allowed to be on the call. We even restrict the number of medallia people on the call. I don't even join the user group community calls or very rarely. I used to be part of it when I was a client, um, but we really try to restrict the number of medallions on these calls because we want people to be able to have open dialogue and not feel like medallion might use this to sell me more product. Mm -hmm. I think that is a really bad approach if, if folks are thinking about it that way. And again, if you come at it from a perspective of, We want to create a space for customers of Medallia to come together in a meaningful way. And really that being sort of your why and the purpose, I think that's how communities grow because there is a, a deeper sense of trust uh, between those individuals and the company. Um, and the value being created is very, very different. And the conversations you have are very, very different as a result. Yeah. Um, just to be fair to Rob Gonzalez, they, they do it like you do it. Yeah, so they, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, sure. he's a, he's head of marketing, yeah, and co-founder, but um, and they're quite successful. I think last year, 700 million valuation, now two billion. So on the on the up up rising, so they seem to yeah. be doing a lot of things right. And um, he's doing the same. He started with a hundred CEOs of a vertical, uh, top CEOs that he think might be potential clients in some point of time. And he connected yep. them and, and, and like did exactly what you said uh, you should do, not sell, but provide value. Yeah. And, um, and we do the same at my um, small company and it, it works really well. Um, to be honest, I always get some sales out of the events. I don't sell anything, but I get follow-up conversations where people are interested yeah. in what, what we help solve. Um, and we do it 
locally, physically. Yeah. So one of our target groups, for example, is um, leaders of consulting companies. So partners and managing directors and we invite 10 to 15 people to a cool location. So for example, a small daily that, that stays open for a little bit longer for us. He has a really good cheese and really good bread and really good wine and beer. And um, there are like two short five minute talks, um, usually from people that, um, that were on guests on our show. So we have another podcast called leaders in consulting. So I know which topics and which people to pick. And, um, and then it's just, um, yeah, um, connecting and, and mingling with like-minded people who are usually not competitors. Um, and you know what happens um, now is I, I usually don't help them find new jobs uh, because they're so senior usually. Uh, they, they don't look for new jobs, but I help connect them to other companies where I know they're not competitors, but they're looking at the same target group and can help each other. And yeah. that happens at least once or twice a week. Um, and I don't directly get something out of it, but I know I create value and it's also a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, even from you know, the conversations that um, we have, I think that, you know, there are, there are different opportunities for people in a non-competitive space um, for people to partner and share ideas outside of the user group. And we know that, that those conversations are happening offline, which is a wonderful thing. That's That's when you know that you are creating that safe space to have a, a rich conversation that people are saying, all right, I'm now I want to go to the next step and I want to go deeper. You know, can we, can we talk offline about this uh, and mm-hmm. meet up? I think that's a really wonderful thing when the community starts creating their own momentum. Um, then if, if that's a measure, then I think we are on the right track with our small community, because I know that some consultants even fly to one another now to meet in person and to talk about some things. So cool. that seems to work well. Um, so about the communities, um, uh, roughly once a month, I think you said, is it correct? Correct. Yeah. What else do you do to build and help these communities besides these um, meetings? So that's the biggest, that's one of the biggest drivers. You know, I think that, you know, we are, I, I think the, the the more important point, I think where like that value creation piece is talking about um how to help them grow in different ways, uh, the individuals um, grow in different ways within their companies. Customer experience is, it's an interesting discipline uh, as well as employment. Customer experience has been around for a long time, you know, plus 20 years now and, you know, 25 years plus. And, but even today, it's still one of those types of topics where it can sometimes feel, especially to an executive team, a little bit fluffy. And, you know, being able to coach um, and mentor individuals in this discipline about how to really bring, you know, financial return on investment around customer experience and calculate that, engage a CFO, engage a CHR, you know, chief um, HR officer, engage a CEO, or even bring the topic into the boardroom. You know, these are these are really important topics. So like we do, you know, we do kind of bring in a lot of the thought leadership that Medallia is producing on a regular basis mm-hmm. um, and kind of use that as an opportunity for for engagement. You know, we also talk to them about, you know, where are there opportunities for Medallia to improve or we're thinking about product changes. Um, you know, what do you think about this? Or we're thinking, you know, new ways to message around. Um, what we're doing and giving these individuals sort of a sneak peek into um, you know, a little sort of peek under the tent, so to speak, uh, of medallion, what we're doing and, you know, directionally where we want to go. And I think that also 
you know, creates a level of engagement um, uh, with the organization and, and access that others don't have access to, you know, don't, don't have. So that's, that's beautiful. And it's like one of the core things why companies go out of business. They don't listen to their target clients and don't, don't see what's changing. Yeah. And with this, you directly have like direct, direct feedback constantly. Um, I think that's, that's also another thing that's super valuable, I guess. No. Well, I, you know, look, we, we believe in, the power of feedback from your customers and from your employees, right? And I being doing doing the work myself, you know, being a leader um, and a practitioner in customer and experience for so long, it's something that is foundational uh, to to the work. If you're not engaging your customers to understand, and it doesn't have to be through direct feedback through a survey, right? You can you can capture insights from operational data, from financial data, from, again, as I mentioned before, social media, um, or even, you know, transcribing calls into the contact center or into the sales organization, into text that can be analyzed through technology. I think all of these signals all around you are really important to capture and to aggregate and analyze so that as a business, you can make the best decision possible. And um, you know, around the customer, and and to drive the types of business outcomes that you want to be driving. That could be revenue. That could be lowering cost to serve. That could be improving the culture of your of your company. Um, mm -hmm. You know, those three kind of pillars, you know, um, really do underpin customer and employee experience. And uh, those are the conversations that are fun to have. Is how do you connect the work of I'm going to go listen to my customers, what their needs are. I'm going to bring that into design of a product, you know, into a user story, give that to product teams and developers. They're going to create that product. We're going to, we're going to launch that. We're going to continue to test, iterate, refine, and keep on listening and continue to develop, you know, a product ongoing. That's a recipe for success. And that's how, you know, leaders in customer experience, frankly, are, you know, have, you know, better stock, you know, stock price appreciation than others that are not um, listening to their customers, higher revenues. I mean, there's a lot of data around this to prove the, the importance and the value of, uh, of listening to your customers and bringing that into your business. Mm -hmm. So let's assume um, there's a CEO of a company that says, I believe Bill. He, he, he probably um, like just convinced me of investing in communities. And the reasons are the right ones. I know it's not short-term sales, it's building value and all the other factors. Um, so how should that person get started? What are the few steps if a company doesn't do it yet that you would advise that company should start doing to build a community? So a couple of things. Like one, I would just recommend go talk to people who have built communities that have built successful ones, right? And understand what they're doing, what their process is. Number two is find the talent within your organization or outside that is going to, you know, understands the value and the importance and is really going to be sort of the catalyst and the driver. Um, and, and, you know, start small. You don't have to have, you know, a thousand people, nor will you have a thousand people immediately, right? Start with sort of small roundtables, 10, 12, 15, 20 people, and then build and build from there. Um, you know, showcase the value as much as possible and, you know, let it grow organically too. you know, send out those invites to individuals, show them the value that you're creating through the types of conversations being driven um, and give, give 
those users the the tools to to ultimately be able to run it on their own. When when the community members are the ones ultimately driving those conversations and the value, then you know you have something really special. And um, you know the the organization can't not necessarily sit back, but can be sort of a silent participate participant and really let the individuals come together and connect. And I think that being able to, you know, creating the space to do that is really the most important point. So it all has to be sort of company driven first, but you want to get to a point where the individuals are really driving the conversation Mm -hmm. for you. So I have one um, obstacle right now in building our small community, which is outside of these physical meetups that we are running successfully, um, and we could also do online meetups via Zoom, for example. How do I enable those people to connect to one another and have conversations with one another? What is the, the way that works for you or the, that you would advise someone to go? You know, look, people have access to like an email um, list. They can, you know, put um, questions out to the communities. I'm part of a uh, an external community outside of Medallia. Um, they do something really cool where they can... Um, they could submit an RFH or request for help um, to the broader community. And um, it's very simple. You log into the platform, you type in, here's the challenge that I'm having. Has anybody had any similar experience or experience kind of with this problem or challenge? Um, Right down to, you know, I've asked questions when I was on sort of the practitioner or leader side, um, everything from, you know, what kinds of, you know, technology are people using in this space to, you know, have they, you know, how are they, I've even asked how, you know, how are they building communities in their organizations? I've even asked, I'm going into a new role as an evangelist. Are there other evangelists out there? I'd love to talk to you about how you approach the role and people respond and and they're there to help. So, you know, giving individuals sort of a, a, a space or, you know, a digital way to interact um, I think is is really important, and it continues that conversation in different and meaning, meaningful ways. Mm-hmm. Also, what we find is there's a lot of individuals. If someone's presenting, someone might say, "Hey, Bill, you know, if I was presenting as an example, I'd love to connect with you offline. Can you, you know, can you direct message me through Zoom your 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 personal email so we can connect?" So. You know, uh, it it can happen in a lot of different organic ways. And I think that's the important point. It can either be direct and giving people sort of the the platform and the access to be able to go directly to other members in the community, but also more organically as conversations are happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I will keep on testing. So um, I see the need of of the target group wanting to connect to one another. Um, What didn't work is, for example, LinkedIn, to be honest, for for us at least. So we created... um, First, a group, groups don't work. Then we created like a message thread, but people don't really write in a message thread. So yeah. um, I'm still trying to figure out how to make it as easy and natural as possible for that particular target group um, to to engage with one another. Yeah, yeah. An- that's why another I'm asking. Way to, yeah, no, another way. And we have a Slack channel for our user group. I mean, that's another way and it's more yeah. private. Um, you know, you never know from a LinkedIn perspective what can happen, but um you know, creating private channels for people to interact and engage on a regular basis, I think is also really important. And and that's outside of the the monthly cadence uh, of, a, of a Zoom call, right? So, yeah. And then you mentioned something interesting. So 
what kind of talent should a CEO hire or find within their own company to start building a community that works? How many people, what kind of like, um, like profiles should you look for? Yeah, look, I don't think it needs to be a, a large you know, organization, um, especially especially because it's largely user-driven, right? Mm -hmm. um, but a couple of people to be able to manage and coordinate, especially for those medallion-driven events, you need someone to kind of coordinate, engage with you know, your sales or customer success organization, which clients or which prospects should we be inviting to this session? Here's a topic. Um, you need someone to organize the just like the logistics of the meeting, um, being, you know, emailing out the Zoom invite, invites, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> I think for me, I think certainly someone who has some experience in building communities is always valuable. Um, but, you know, the person on my team that leads the Medallia user group, as an example, has no community experience whatsoever. She's just super passionate about bringing people together and creating a platform for learning and growth. I mean, she's just very energized by that. And it's, you know, you, you can see her motivation mm -hmm. when she talks about the group, the, what we are doing for the individuals who have joined, um, you know, the conversations that are happening that are being driven by the users themselves. Like she is authentically energized by that. So I'm a big believer in not necessarily going to hire someone with five or 10 years of experience in managing communities and building communities, but you want someone who is energized by people and bringing them together um, and learning and growth. And if you can find that kind of talent and then say, okay, go build this out and hear the tools and you know, be creative, like let them kind of make it their own. I think that you can, I mean, you can, you can create a wonderful platform and, you know, um, We, and I think we really have at Medallia. It's something really special. Um, and I know that because, you know, I was a, a member uh, of that community for, for a short while too. So, Yeah, and, and that's something special. And uh, just one question, then we, then we uh, finish the topic of communities. Yeah. But I'm curious, you were on the other side before you joined uh, the, um, <laughs> the good side or bad side, however you call it, um, um, of, of um, your, of Medallia. And, How did, like, what did you get out of this community? How did it feel? Um, and what did you like most? So, so a couple of things. Um, that's a good question, Sammy. So um, one, I looked forward to the calls because I was learning. Um, I, you know, I, I look, I've been doing the work for a long time, but that doesn't mean I have all the answers, <laughs> right? And I think that... Um, The wonderful thing about customer and employee experience folks is that they're they're humble and um, and they know they don't have all the answers and they really look out to different individuals who are doing the work um, and ask questions. And um, even today, I'll reach out to different CX leaders, clients and non-clients, frankly, uh, and talk about different things that are uh, important to the to the broader discipline. And very, everyone is very open and wants to have that conversation and talk through that because in many ways, they're all kind of suffering with the, the same challenges. Um, so as an individual, as a practitioner, as a leader, I got value in learning just because there are other leaders on that call, maybe using the platform a little bit differently or approaching um, 
measurement or, or feedback a little bit differently. So I can take some of that and say, okay, that's an interesting idea. How do I take this into practice and with my own team and this and my company and what kind of value might that create? And then you can start to test and learn and, you know, start to innovate. Um, number two is the conversations are really rich, right? You've got deep practitioners talking about a craft that they love. And, you know, so, so it's really engaging. It's not like a webinar where you kind of listening, but you're doing work at the same time. You know, these are conversations where like, I would shut off everything and really be keyed in on what these individuals are saying. So, um, so really good, rich conversation that is, that is engaging. And then, you know, I love the Q and a, because again, not only do I not have all the answers, I also don't have all the questions. So, you know, it's great for different individuals from different backgrounds, a real diverse community coming together and thinking about this topic from different angles, asking different questions. So I'd always walk away from these calls with like five new ideas about, you know, how to improve my team, my practice, my craft. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for those conversations every day. And I was a better leader, a better practitioner coming out of those calls every time. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. why? Because I think if someone wants to build a community, they should listen to the last uh, two, three minutes where you um, like told us how it felt like and why you were engaged in the community. And yeah. if you can reproduce that for your own uh, potential customers and existing ones, um, you probably already have one. Yeah, for sure. And just, you know, they're really energizing. I think, um, uh, again, um, and, and, and I, and I think that this is very true for customer and employee experience, the discipline and the practice. It is a very open community. People are always engaging, um, and connecting and learning from each other. Um, and that's, you don't find that in a lot of different disciplines, frankly. Um, so, You know, for those that are working in this space, we're very lucky that um, we're here to help each other. I, I mean, I'd have, I'd call people from, when I was on the banking side, I'd call people from other, my peers at other banks, you know, uh, they would call me, how are you approaching this? Here's a problem I've got. Have you ever had that problem? Um, you know, how are you, how are you thinking about all like, you know, the regulatory stuff and its impact on the work that you're doing? So we would trade notes and ideas and, and help each other be successful. Because at the end of the day, we knew that, um, I, you know, it, it's all about not just sort of, you know, it's, it's all about creating, you know, being the, the discipline being successful because we all, we all know the importance of customer experience and the value that that can create. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think for, to, to generalize a little bit, there are, my gut feeling would be there are not many um, very niche groups that are so competitive um, or so different in terms of mindset that they wouldn't um, like want to exchange with peers and learn something and also give something to the community. So I think I see it in, in different spaces. Um, right now I see it for marketing, sales leaders and, and leaders of mm -hmm. consultancies, but all of them are pretty open in different ways sometimes. So some are a little bit more open than others because they just learn uh, that this is possible. For example, for the consultancy part, there is no real community in, in the uh, Dach region in Germany. And um 
after explaining one, two times uh, how it feels like and inviting them to an event. Once they have been at one event, boom, yeah, it's it's done. They love it and they always come back. And we we almost have, I would say, waving fans now because what we also do is now we, we start our first Leaders in Consulting Conference. We couldn't do it the last two years, but oh. now we can finally. And we already like, like are almost oversubscribed from our goal. So we didn't want to have oh. like a thousand people. Um, I want to have like 50 and we already almost over 50. And people ask me, Sammy, you have to tell us when is this event? I have to block it in my calendar. I don't want to miss out. And, uh, and that's a lot of fun because they're all, it, I mean, it's, it's, you should have fun in your business, you know? Um, yeah. Right. Um, uh, look, that, and that's a testament to the work, you know, when someone is saying, I need to know when the next meeting is or conference, whatever it is, because I already want to block that out of my calendar. No, that's that is a testament to the value being created in that forum, right? Um, when someone says this is one of the most important meetings on my calendar and I want to block out the time now, that's a real that's a, you know, you can have you can ask satisfaction, you can ask NPS or net promoter score questions, like all that's fine. But when someone gives you that feedback, you know that you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, it's like I, I I can understand why you like the job. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun. That. Yeah. And, and um, so, able, yeah. No, I was going to say just being able to to to, to do that work uh, and lead it for the company is uh, is really exciting. I believe you. Uh, it's it's part of my job that I like a lot. Um, now switching a little bit to evangelism and thought leadership. Um, yeah. So. What is your goal there and how do you aim to achieve it? So it's, it's, it's an interesting question because, you know, for me, you know, thought leadership is really there to drive kind of like top you know, awareness and top of the funnel or what we would call top of the funnel. Right. And I don't come at thought leadership from the perspective of creating revenue for the company. That is an outcome, I hope. Right. Um, but for me, again, it's, it's talking, writing about, um, engaging with individuals, um, around some of these more important topics. Just last week, as an example, I was in Atlanta, I was talking about customer experience and what that's going to look like in the year 2030. Right. And, you know, it was, it was, a it was a group of, uh, insights, Uh, and design uh, leaders, uh, about 150 to 200 individuals in a room. And for me, it's really about not only expanding my own thinking, um, and it's nice I get to think and talk about work and not necessarily, the, the work is like the output of this, but you know, being able to really think about where the discipline is going, how to improve it, um, you know, best practices that people are delivering today, And talk about that in different through different channels and mediums is something that I love to do. It's something that I've been focused on for a couple of years now, even outside of Medallia. Um, so for me, again, I come at it from a perspective of, you know, not only my own learning and growth, but also asking the question, what's going to be helpful to the audience? How do they learn and grow? And what are the different ways that they're consuming information? Whether that's a quick LinkedIn post, short video. Uh, blog post, podcast, you know, leveraging these different channels to engage um, with the broader CX and EX community um, and talking about topics that are meaningful to them. Again, I, I, I also will stress, <clears throat> 
I've always been someone who has a lot of opinions. They may be right or wrong. You, you can disagree with them. And there are people that have disagreed with me, um, which is fine. I want to learn their perspective and understand why that might be different. Um, but I think it's important also to have a view uh, and be able to identify white space, create your view around that and put a, you know, put your flag in the ground and say, this is where we think this, you know, this is how this is going to evolve. This is how it's going to impact your day-to-day role. Um, here are things that you can be doing differently to be successful, being able to surface that for individuals if they're not part of a community, as an example, because now you're able to get sort of a wider reach. I think, um, I think helps, you know, people look at Medallia differently in a positive way. And, you know, hopefully that opens up uh, the door for them to, to engage with us. And we have a lot of thought leaders across the organization, um, whether they're former practitioners that are working as customer experience or employee experience advisors. Um, we have sales and customer success folks who've come out of this space, uh, people who have worked in, 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 in the discipline and have worked with the platform for decades. So, you know, for me, it's, a uh, it's a way to tap into that as well and then start to publish and, you know, create different and inform different opinions uh, and drive conversation that maybe isn't, isn't being driven um, by others, you know, who are with similar technologies and examples. So, Mm -hmm. and that's where I think the real value comes in is seeing, um, seeing a topic that no one is talking about and creating something new and creating a conversation about that. You know, uh, I'll give you just a, a real a good example. No one talks a lot about how to get customer experience or employee experience into the boardroom as a boardroom conversation, right? Board members are talking about growth, risk management, governance, um, and customer experience. I mean, they may see a report on on net promoter score or customer satisfaction as part of a, you know a readout um, or other metrics that the company is capturing. Um, but being able to put something out there that says, here, here are three, four different ways that you can make customer experience an important topic and a, and a topic in the board at the board level. Now that's complete white space that people aren't necessarily talking about that I think is important. And, you know, putting that kind of content out there, I think helps people think about, okay, how do I internalize this? What, what does that, what does that mean for my company? And, you know, hopefully that translates then into ultimately more business for Medallia because we're talking about not just about technology, but also the types of things that they're also thinking about and that are important to them. Yeah. How do you come up with the hot topics that you want to focus on and uh, do they stay the same or do they change over time? Uh, Look, they change over time. I'm a, um, I'm a voracious reader and I consume content like crazy. I think if you're going to be an evangelist or a thought leader, you've got to consume 10x the content that you actually produce. Um, and the the reason why that is, Sammy, is if you're going to connect the dots on stuff, you got to go collect all the dots. And I think that's a really important part of the role. And I've always been someone who has been a dot collector and a, and a dot connector as a result. And being able to take different ideas and piece them together in different and new ways. And... So my approach, you know, within Medallia, even externally, because I publish a lot of stuff just out on my own, has been to always just be a consumer of other people's thinking and content 
and not necessarily that's customer experience related, going to read you know, psychology journals, going to read physics journals, going to read marketing journals, and really trying to draw parallels around all this stuff and bring it together in new and different ways. Um, conversations that we have in the communities are also a really important driver of the topics that we discuss, right? Because we know guessed, yeah, that yeah, they, I mean, they, they're fruitful for one another. Abs that you, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Um, conversations that I'm having with our clients or even prospects, you know, talking to them about like, what are their challenges, taking that back and say, you know, we could do a really great piece on this um, or, you know, you know, a, a, a two minute video, right? Something really super consumable that high value, short, you know, and someone can you know, pull that down and take away three, four ideas. Um, so there are ideas everywhere. It's just, you have to kind of know what, you have to know your audience and what's going to resonate with them and create that content in a way that's going to be consumable, but also valuable. So those are two essential parts of becoming a thought leader um, that you just mentioned. The one thing is knowing your audience is number one. So if yeah, you don't know who you focus on, You can write for anyone and no one. Um, the second, knowing which topics. Once you have the topics and the person, then you have a kind of filter. And whatever you see out there in the world, this helps you filter the stuff that's interesting so that you can yeah. then, and that's a th third piece that's also not that easy, I would say, um, per channel that you choose, communicate it in a way that works for that channel. That's right. Yeah. And, and I think, yeah, yeah, that's right. You got to really tailor it, right? Well, I mean, You know, we're, we're talking in a podcast, you know, let's just say it's a 30 minute or 40 minute conversation, whatever it's going to be right to, I'm going to write a blog post and I'm going to keep that under a thousand words because people will stop reading, frankly. Right. Or, you know, I, I'm, I'm personally not a fan of white papers. I just don't think people consume information through like a eight or 10 page white paper anymore. Um, so, you know, really thinking, you know, to your point, you know, that we just discussed is knowing your audience and saying, okay, how can I get the two or three kind of real core value points around this topic into a format that someone can take in, in, in under five minutes or under three minutes of their day, right? Because they're all, everyone's busy and everyone's being bombarded with information. Um, I always, I, I joke, like being a thought leader is like thinking in like 90 second or two minute journeys, right? Yeah. Constantly. And um, that, that to me is also part of the fun and the challenge is, you know, how do I take a topic? And I just last night, I wrote a blog post. I wrote 2000 words. Now it's like, how do I get this down to like 600, right? Really simplifying it down, getting down to the core, editing a lot. And that is part of the fun of the work too, is, you know, taking a step back and saying, I was in the seat once. What would I find valuable? Like, when did I stop reading or when did I throw something in the bin? Right. Mm -hmm. Or when did I stop a video or why did I do that? And I think that's also helpful in being a thought leader, being on the other side as a consumer of that content too, and understanding what, what is valuable. Yeah. So to be honest, um, With our podcast, the podcast has the least um, like uh, amount of viewers or, or um, reach um, for us because what we do is we create like short snippets out of our show. Um, we look yeah. for the best content pieces where we think this creates a lot of value. It could be short video uh, sequences, like two, three minutes at most. Yeah. It could be a citation with a picture of you. It could be just a short LinkedIn text post. 
But um, snackable content pieces, so to say, is something that uh, we think resonates with the people. And what we also try now, and we don't know if it works, but let's see, is we create of this long form format, a short cast where we distill it down to 10 minutes, uh, the top 10 minutes with Bill, so to say. Yeah. And let's see how that works, because I uh -huh. also have the, uh, the notion that um, people don't take a lot of time. If someone wants to listen to the whole show, it's still there, so we don't delete it, yeah, but um, most people feel time pressure and want to consume fast yeah that's right that's right and, and that's and that's important right because if you are if you know your audience and you're creating content that is easily consumable easily digestible and implementable um they're going to come back and listen for more and i think that's you know you want to create that ongoing engagement These are three great points that you should think about whenever you do something, especially on social, <laughs> where you have to be Absolutely. super short. Um, and, and you're quite active on LinkedIn. I would also say that you have um, a nice followership as, as far as I can see. Um, yeah. how, how do you have a special system in place that works for you? Um, yeah. So um, every, the first Monday of every month, I write down, um, this is after hours in the evening, I write down 20 headlines. And a couple of bullets under each headline. And um, sometimes I'll write out full blog, full like LinkedIn posts as well. Um, just because that makes sometimes it comes a little bit more naturally. But I do try and write, you know, I block out two to three hours that first Monday every evening. And I try and write as much as possible. And then I just copy and paste every day. Um, so that's uh, that's my system. That's how I kind of come, come at it. Um, I found that. You know, if I if I sit down at my laptop at 10 a.m. and try and be creative and write something, I'm probably still there looking at a computer screen at 12 noon, and I don't really have that time. I've got a day job that I've got to perform at, so um, I do carve out the time for that work specifically. Um, but it starts with sort of the headline, um, then sort of like writing bullets or even writing out the post, and I use tools um, that help me simplify the language, you know, the, you know, the grammar, you know, really distill down like to, to as, as low complexity as possible. Um, and what tools, for example? Yeah. So like I use Hemingway app as an example, uh, it's a free online tool. Um, that's a great resource. I do try and get down anything that I post on LinkedIn to the fifth grade level or in the U S what we would say fifth grade or lower. So, you know, Someone who's 10 years old or younger can read it uh, and understand it. Um, that also, by the way, helps the algorithm. Uh, gives a you know the algorithm gives a boost if it's very easy to root, you know, snackable to kind of use uh, to use your term. Um, I've started to kind of think about there are a lot of other tools out there that you can use to, you know, set up um, set up those posts automatically. So even you know off of my website. You know, I can, I can, with Jetpack, I can actually say, okay, I want to, I want to schedule this for this day. And it goes out on a certain day and time too. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of just good, great free tools out there that you can leverage. Um, I, I personally don't, outside of Hemingway app, I don't recommend anything just because there are different tools for different people. Some find up some more valuable than others. It really is the point I'm trying to make, I guess, is go and explore those, those resources, figure out what makes sense for you. Um, but have a system in place. I think that at the end of the day is the most important point um, and a system that works for you as well. Mm -hmm. um, how did you get inspired for your system? Was there anyone that you like um, 
could learn something from? Yeah. So Justin Welsh is a great guy to follow. Um, I think he's got something like, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand followers or something kind yeah. of great looked in right now, as well as, you know, equally on, on Twitter. Um, he has, and he's got some online courses. He's pretty inspirational and he, he right down, he templatizes even his LinkedIn posts. Um, and he will work off of those templates, you know, um, and he uses different technology to automatically distribute all of, uh, all of his social to, you know, multiple platforms as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, he went three years ago from nobody following him to, you know, running, you know, a multi-million dollar business, um, as a, as a solopreneur, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we had him on the show and he told his story. So we will link that for people who want to listen to that as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, but he's, I uh, can... he's a pretty inspirational guy. Um, yeah. Dennis Geelin, I don't know if you know Dennis, another no. great, great guy, um, G-E-E-L-E-N. Um, okay. Really, uh, I've had him on my podcast. He's really inspirational guy, has started a couple of companies, has written four books now, I think, as well. His new book is coming out, I think, later this year on developing your own solo, um, solopreneur practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just like a wonderful person. We, we exchange notes and ideas all the time. So cool. Ah, yeah. so you also have a small community of, um, thought leader, um, thought leaders that you engage with. For sure. Like, I think like that's... not thought leaders, like, I mean the practice of becoming a thought leader, so to say. Yeah. Like, you know, just if, you know, going back to my comment around, you know, you asked the question, if you're a CEO, how do you think about starting a community? I go, go learn from others, right? Um, there's no reason today to start f- from scratch for any topic. There's so yeah. much information out there. There are so many people out there that are willing to help you um, and to help you be successful and go find them, ask for help. Um, I'm a big believer in, you know, a, There's a, there's a hashtag, never walk alone. You know, raising your hand and asking for, your, for help is just, is an incredible, it's a superpower. And once you realize that it will help you advance in your career and your personal or professional relationships. Um, and it's not, it's not a sign of weakness. It, it really fundamentally changes your approach to life, frankly, not just to work. And mm. I've always been a believer in asking for help, identifying people that I wanted to emulate, people that I thought were leaders or thought leaders in a, in a specific discipline or space. And just, you know, if I had an opportunity to meet them in person, I'd walk up, introduce myself and say, I love what you're doing. Can, can we can we schedule some time and talk about your approach and how you think about it all the time, you know, how you think about it every day? Or reach out to them via LinkedIn and say, I really love what you did here. How did you do it? Um, and, you know, people are really open to, to help. It's really a wonderful thing, but you do, you do have to ask. And I think not a lot of people, not a lot of people think to ask, which is a shame. Um, yeah, I think both. A lot of people don't, don't think to ask and a lot of people don't try to help without direct reward. And if you do both, I think you're super happy in your life. And I made it a habit now um, for the last two, three months to ask for help once a day. Um, and it's amazing what happened, like really yeah. crazy. I can just um, like uh, sign that what you just said is absolutely true. On the one hand side, 
if you th if you don't know whom to ask, you start to think, where could I need help? And then you look for people who are good, and already that is value in itself. And then yeah. if you already and if you reach out, many people will react. Um, sometimes they don't have time or don't want to make time, which is fine. Uh, but they point you in some right direction. Sometimes they are willing to talk to you. I honestly also use our show, so our podcast, to have deeper conversations on topics where I want to learn, like, for example, thought leadership. That's why I invited you, um, community and thought leadership. That's why I invited Justin Welsh. Um, it's really interesting to directly hear from people and to ask all, like, really, really uh, selfishly ask all the questions where I want to have an answer. Look, podcasts are, I think, the 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 really interesting kind of underlying secret to podcasts is they're a great learning and growth growth hack for the podcaster, for the host, yes. right? That's not something that people talk about a lot, but it really is. Um, and, you know, I love that you do that. It's just a smart thing to do. Um, and you know, even for myself, I, I think that that, um, and I want to just touch on a really quick point, Sammy, just the, mm. the point around that you made about not expecting anything in return. You know, some people do expect reciprocity, um, but I think it's important to not expect it. Um, I made a conscious effort years ago. It, it wasn't, it, I, I wasn't any longer in it to, 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 to be rewarded back for if I was to help somebody. And the day that I stopped doing that, the day that I stopped expecting something in return, was the day that I personally started just to start to grow even more and faster. And professionally, frankly, I saw a lot more growth too. And I think that is a really important part of leadership where you have to want to not want anything in return, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you need to be a giver and a constant giver and be really happy when you give something to someone, they take that and they grow and they succeed themselves. Uh, and find personal joy in that. So um, it's a really important point to, uh, to to highlight. There are a lot of folks who do expect something in return, but I've always found the folks that don't expect anything in return are the ones that actually get the most back anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if I, I saw someone posting, maybe it was even you, about a book that I then read. It's, I think it's called The Go-Giver. Um, it's, it's a parable about... Um, like giving yeah? Um, yeah and all the steps that someone wants to be a really good salesperson and then he goes to some guru and he takes him through a few days of some exercises where he has to do something which includes helping people selfish uh, selflessly and, and in the end of course he's successful but i i see it in my life and also uh, like professionally and personally Uh, I call it good karma um, giving right. um, because it it will come back in mysterious ways and it like sometimes comes back in, after years, you know, but I always um, get something back and it's like little seeds that you plant and you don't know which one will grow and which one will not grow, but it's also fun, yeah? I, yeah. I, Look, you, you're, you give all the time by publishing this podcast, whether you realize that or not, right? You're giving something to someone, learning. Right? And you as well. I mean, definitely. Yeah. I'm super happy yeah. to have you on the show. Yeah, no, and, you know, I'm, well, I'm grateful to be on. I, you know, but I think that's also, you know, there are giving, there's giving in different ways as well. But the point is, and you just made it, like sometimes it comes back years later 
you know, I'm sure the podcast since you've started has opened up new opportunities for you and and your company and. You just have to have gratitude all the time for, for that. Oh, I also have podcast guests. So um, <laughs> I, I was I was able to connect some of them who had like uh, one of them had a challenge. The other one I knew um, saved this challenge. So I just connect people whenever I see there's an opportunity for some people to, to learn from one another. Um, and yeah, you have your own podcast. Yeah, yeah. W what's um, the name of your show? So the show name is Be Customer Led. Um, we're about to go into our third season now, um, later this month. Um, and, um, that, you know, like I said before, that has been the single biggest growth and learning hack of all time. You know, someone I was, you know, originally the reason the genesis for the show, Sammy, it was, it was peak pandemic. There was a lot of just theoretical white papers being published by big consulting <laughs> companies on how to better engage employees or how to improve the customer experience and the new kind of, you know, this new pandemic that everyone was going through. And I was like, this isn't helpful for anybody. And I was actually doing the work then, you know, I wasn't working for Medallia. And I was like, I'm going to go write, I'm going to go interview people who are doing the work. I'll just find them on LinkedIn. I'm going to write about it and blog about it. And uh, someone convinced me to buy a microphone and headphones and start a podcast. And I was like, that sounds really hard. I don't want to do that. And <laughs> But I did my first one. And I was like, I've got it. This is it. I, this is how I have to kind of communicate that message. And, um, you know, now, you know, going, going past two years, you know, we've got listeners in almost a hundred countries, um, which is really exciting. We've, we've won some awards and some accolades and, um, yeah, it's, it's a really exciting, as you know, it's a, it's just, it's really exciting and fun to do. It's a labor yeah. of love, sure. It's a lot of work, but um, but it's also really exciting and rewarding. Yeah, and you build really nice connections to people you didn't know before. So um, yeah, that's that's something that I like a lot about it from all over the world. Yeah, that's really cool. But, and look, and I've I've had you know my own personal heroes uh, on on the show. Joe Pine, who wrote um, the book Experience Economy in in the late 1990s. I'm dating myself a little bit. That book was the reason why I got into customer experience. I literally read that book and I quit my job. <laughs> I was a fixed income analyst at JP Morgan. I was like, I, this is not what I wanted. This is it. This is actually a real thing that people do for work. And you could and, invite him and he came on your and show. I, and he came on the show and I was like, I was thrilled. You know, I've got, you know, Fred Reichelt who, who created net promoter score. I've got him coming on the show no, uh, in a couple cool. of months. So like, These, these individuals are my just personal heroes who I just, I really look up to. And there are other individuals that, to your point, I've never met before, but I got to know and was introduced to because of the show, where I was able to engage because of the show that you, know, you come off the conversations and you're just blown away by, you know, these individuals and what they're doing every day. And uh, it's, it's humbling, but, you know, I walk away from every recording, probably much like you, and I'm like buzzing with ideas, like, okay. You know, this is what we can be doing differently, right? Yeah, yeah, we are we are ramping up a little bit manpower because we have to distill all the ideas that we that we received up to now into some structure because I want to use it and then we can also give it away for free so yeah. that others can use it. Um, because like just today, I, I looked up something that I knew a sales leader told me like a tactical advice on when you do something specifically, and I think it was reaching out to people with a case study and now we have a really cool case study and i want to test it with 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 a handful of people and cool. he he gave a really nice structure on how to do that 
So I looked, I looked up the, the show um, and the transcript and, and the piece of content that we created out of it. And, and I, I, it really helped me a lot, you know. And so I think like if I get something useful out of it, some other people very likely will, will so too. For sure. Um, so we are already at the end, Bill, um, of, of our show. And I have some five, five rapid fire questions lined up for you. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, first question. How do you keep body and mind fit and sharp? Um, I, I find it's so a couple of ways. One is I love doing Legos with my children. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I, I find a lot of just inner peace in watching them create, also helping them create and even creating myself. Love Legos. Um, I try to um, use mindfulness and meditation. Um, I don't do it as often as I'd like, but uh, I really do try and create a space where I can just think, just be sort of with myself um, and and find peace. Number three is I practice. Oh, wait practice. a second! Wait a second! How do you meditate? Like, uh, do you do it by yourself? Do you use some some? Yeah, some no, by play? myself. But what what I'll do is uh, not every day, but most days before I start work. Um, 10 minutes at my desk, deep breathing, thinking about um, the day, how to make it a successful day, um, and visualizing success for myself. Cool. Um, okay. That's another way. And number three, I'd say is just, you know, I, I'm just, I'm always practicing gratitude. You know, really, every, and this I do every day, reminding myself of the things that I am grateful for. And, and everything that I have in my life that I'm so lucky to have, uh, you know, um, I, I, I've been really blessed in, in, in my life and in my career and, you know, taking a step back and looking at that and saying, you can be grateful for everything you have and not worry about what other people have, frankly, is just a wonderful way to live and go through life. So definitely. I always have this funny thought of people 200 years ago, um, like you, a king didn't live as good as we did with what, what access you have, what can, what, what travels you can do anything, you know? So we, we are really blessed right now. Yeah, um, for sure. We, we live in good times. Um, do you have a favorite business book? Um, I don't know if it's a favorite, my, my favorite book is on the road by Jack Kerouac. And I don't know that. What, what is it yeah. about? Uh, Jack Kerouac was a, an author, this is going back to the 1950s and the beat generation, um, within the U S. Um, and it, 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 the book is essentially just a stream of consciousness. In fact, Kerouac wrote the book by taping pieces of paper together and just constantly typing. Um, and it's a book about life and learning and twists and turns. And for me, I, I always read the book as just an interesting story about someone's life and the, the people that he met, the places that he went, but it really is a reflection on life more broadly and even professionally and the impact that different people can have on your life. Um, and to really think about every interaction, right? Like I will think about our first meeting and this interaction and 
it will impact me in, in, in new and different ways. But re, so it's it, for me, it's about reflecting on places, people, things, and how they shape you as an individual. Um, and there are a lot of just very interesting business parallels that you can draw from the book, I think, personally. I'm, I'm interested. Uh, You're going to yeah. link it in the show notes and I'm going to have a yeah, look personally. Yeah, for sure. Um, a couple of business books that I'll just highlight. I think Joe mm -hmm. Pine's Experience Economy was recently released this year as well as a second edition. Um, I think is a, is just a seminal book on customer experience um, and experience as, as sort of a stage. Um is a really important book, I think, for any leader to, to, to read, frankly. Um, other books that have impacted me just in maybe in my in my role, um, The Wallet Allocation Rule uh, by Guy. Um, sorry, Sammy. Um, we can look uh, it up, no worries. Yeah. We can put it uh, yeah. in the show notes. Um, yeah, The Wallet Allocation Rule. Um, and a third one is The Grid by Matt Watkinson. I don't know um, any of these books. I yeah. <laughs> the, the wallet allocation rule, rule um, is uh, um, Luke Williams is the author. Um, mm -hmm. That is a book around thinking about experience and really connecting it to financials. Um, so very well-researched, um, different perspective than anything really that's out there. Um, and I think it's a really important book. The Grid by Matt Watkinson, I think, is, <clears throat> is more of a business kind of type book. And it's just a framework to understand business in, diff in different ways around the customer. Mm -hmm. And that, that, those three books, I think I have, you know, plus on the road, I probably have more notes in the margins of those books and, you know, dog ears on the pages. Uh, I do the same. My wife always says, "Why do you do that? Don't don't write in books." And say, "That's how yeah, I learned that." <laughs> so, um, yeah, but those I think those three business books, and then on the road, not a business book, but I think just a a really incredible book. It's a fast read because it's written quickly, so like you can you read it almost like the author wrote it, which is pretty incredible. Um, I've read that book. I'm going to guess maybe I don't know twenty times. And it's, I always go back to it and I always kind of learn and see something new in the book, which is pretty, cool. pretty incredible. So really cool. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Um, Bill, do you have a favorite business leader that you follow? Um, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, I, I look to different individuals who are not necessarily like business leaders, like, you know, like a Jack Welch or someone like that. Um, you know, there, there are some individuals that <clears throat> I personally have never met that I really look to for inspiration. So I look to like Jamie Dimon at JP Morgan Chase. I mean, some of the things that they're doing there now with making everybody return to work, I personally don't like, but he's just a business leader that has been incredibly thoughtful Um has been a mentor to, I've worked there, has been sort of a mentor to me without knowing he's a mentor. And um, just one of those types of individuals that is very just action-oriented, thoughtful, cares about the business and knows deeply the, the business in a deep way. Um, Warren Buffett is another person I've read his book, Snowball, which I think is a great book. Um, but someone, again, who I try to think about how they think about problems that they're coming up against every day and, you know, trying to emulate some of that. Mm -hmm. 
as I mentioned, you know, whether you like NPS, Net Promoter Score or not, you know, uh, Fred Reichel is an inspiration for me. Joe Pine is an inspiration for me. Um, you know, and and some of the folks, you know, Justin, you know, Welsh, Dennis Geelan, others, I I really try and find inspiration from every person or source. And 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 they don't have to have a big following. It's just someone who maybe posts something on LinkedIn, but really resonates and hits home. I'll mm -hmm. start following them and, and learning from them. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, who should be our next podcast guest and why? Oh, good question. Um, that's a good question. Um, I think that, I think you should have Matt Watkinson on the show. Um, Matt Watkinson. Very yeah, he wrote, he wrote the book, The Grid. Um, okay. I think that he, his approach to business He's, he, he runs a design agency um, out in Los Angeles and his approach to business and the customer is on a completely different level than I've for, uh, for anyone I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And he, um, he's someone that if, if once you get to meet him or you read his book, I, I think that you're automatically hooked. He also has got a cool hobby. He just built his own motorcycle, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, he's, he's, he loves, he loves good scotch. Uh, so they're just, he's like, just one of those kind of Renaissance guys that, you know, you kind of meet and you're just, you know, you're immediately connected, uh, connect, you want to connect to, and um, just a deep thinker. And I think we need more people like Matt in the world. Sounds really interesting. Um Now you can directly address our audience. Anything we can help you with, Bill? Um, you know, look, I, I think if you're in a, in a customer experience or employee experience role, um, you know, I'd love to connect with you directly. Feel free to reach out. Um, or if you want to learn more about that discipline, you know, if it's a topic of interest, just reach out. Number two, you know, look at Medallia. I think, you know, we're a leader in, in this space um, and, you know, I've always used the platform because I just think it's the best platform. It's also why I work there. And number three, just, you know, if you want to listen to the podcast, my podcast, be customer led and, you know, learn more, you know, check us out and please give me feedback. Um, if you have a listen, that's what's most important to me there. We put it into the show notes, your, your own show, definitely. And how can people get in touch with you best? Uh, best way is through LinkedIn. Um, mm -hmm. Just find me, Bill Stakos. Um, actually, my LinkedIn is, Not Bill Stakos, it's be customer led. So if you if you look for LinkedIn.com slash in slash be customer led, you'll find me. Okay. Uh, and um, yeah, that's the best way to do it. Awesome. That's it. It was a pleasure to have you in our show, Bill. Thanks a lot. Pleasure pleasure was all mine, Sammy. I really appreciate it and uh, great conversation. Wonderful questions. If you like the show, please leave us a rating and subscribe to our podcast to never miss a new episode. Do you want to grow your B2B business, win new employees and drive sales with a podcast content engine? So who can help? Simply schedule a strategy call with our host, Sammy Gabele. Get in touch on LinkedIn or via sawoo.io, S-A-W-O-O.io. You can also find all contact details in our show notes. Thanks and see you next time.